Turn in your Bibles to 2 Samuel chapter 19. and I don't guess it'll be the last time ever I have you do it, but it might be the last time for a little while because we have come to the last of these individuals in the life of King David in his exile and return that we're going to look at. I say that, I might find another one, who knows, amen, but uh, I would say this will be the last for a little while, and uh, I want us to spend a few moments tonight looking at this gentleman. What a blessing to be in the house of the Lord tonight, amen. It, uh, you just bring any cornbread you want to bring to that thing, and um, we'll just we'll just trust it to fate, amen. We'll, we'll let the judges decide what constitutes appropriate cornbread, amen, and uh I've got a lot of controversial statements I can make about grits, too, but I'm not going to do it tonight because we're not here to divide. We're just here to preach the Word of God. Amen. And uh, I'm not a provocateur, but I do have opinions about those things. But be sure and come out and be a part of our chili cook-off. I don't think, Jim, I don't think there's a box for cornbread. There might be. I don't remember. I'm the one that developed the sign-up sheet, and I can't remember, so there's no telling. But uh, be sure and, and bring some cornbread if you would like to. Bring some chili if you'd like to. Bring some fixings if you'd like to. More than anything, bring yourself. Amen. And bring an appetite. And I believe you'll enjoy that good time, Lord, at that chili cook-off. We always have a good time. Uh, Brother Jim mentioned that we have a few categories. We do. We, we've got uh, one of them is, is uh, spiciest chili. Spiciest chili. And uh, that does come with a certain layer of liability. Amen. So... Um, there is spiciest, and then there is best overall. That's just the winner of everything. Best overall, uh, we, we would say that that uh, it it is the quintessential chili is what we're looking for there. Uh, and then we've got most unusual. Uh, I didn't say grossest. I said most unusual. Amen. And uh, well, I just say, and we've never had a gross one in that category, but I always feel like I need to say that. Because unusual is not the same as unpleasant, amen. And uh, but it is most unusual chili, and so that's a good opportunity to do something a little bit outside of the box. And then then we've got people's choice. We let folks vote on what type of chili. So far, we've not had a church split over that, amen. So I'm proud of that as a pastor. But we're excited about this chili cook-off. Excited about everything God's doing, man. I mean, I tell you, don't we have a good God? Amen. Praise the Lord for His goodness upon us. Second Samuel chapter number 19. I'd like to begin reading down in verse number 31 where we left off this morning. We read up to verse 30 this morning. Let's begin at verse 31. We'll read down to verse number 40 and then we'll go to the Lord in a word of prayer. Second Samuel chapter 19 verse number 31. The Bible says, Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rogelim and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. He had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanaim, for he was a very great man. The king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old. Can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore, then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king. Why should the king recompense at me with such a reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again, that I may die in mine own city be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. 
But behold, my servant, Kimham, him let him go over, let him go over with my lord, the king, and to, and to do to him what shall seem good unto thee. The king answered, Kimham shall go over with me, and I will do to him that which shall seem good unto thee, and whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. All the people went over Jordan. When the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him, and he returned unto his own place. Then the king went on to Gilgal, and Kimham went on with him. All the people of Judah conducted the king, and also half the people of Israel. Let's stop there and pray. Lord, we love you tonight. What a blessing to be in your house. Speak to hearts now these next few moments. May Christ be magnified in all that's said. And Lord, may you arrest our heart, our devotion, our attention upon you. And Lord, may we leave this place more in love with you, more committed unto you than when we came in. Father, we love you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, as we've said, when we've been preaching through these character studies in this portion of Scripture, there are basically three things you have to keep in mind. I won't really preach them tonight, but let me mention them to you. The entire story that sets the stage for this is the uh, is the revolt of Absalom, the son of David. Absalom wrestles the throne away from his father David, wins the heart of the people, and David then is sent into exile. He leaves, though he is the rightful king, he leaves Jerusalem, and for a season of time he is on the run. He is in the wilderness. He is still the rightful king, but he is not on the throne. He is not ruling the kingdom. And Absalom during that duration is upon the throne. Now there are some conflicts that take place and eventually uh, Absalom is, is killed by Joab, the general of David. And David now, a way has been made for him to come back and assume his rightful place upon the throne. We talked about this morning how that reminds us in some ways the days that we're living in. We're living in times when the rightful king over this world is rejected by this world. The Lord Jesus Christ, He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. Uh, you say, preacher, I didn't vote for that. Well, yeah, that's because we ain't taking no votes for it. Amen? That's just who He is. That's His authority. Uh, it was bought and purchased. It was nascent to His being. But then I would say it was certified and authenticated by the cross of Calvary and the glorious revolution because, or, uh, resurrection. Uh, because he was willing uh, to humble himself, be made in the likeness of man, uh, that he was willing to humble himself unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him, given him a name above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and every tongue should confess that Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. In other words, there's no debate, there's no discussion uh, about it. Uh, he is the King of kings, but this world does not own him as their king. This world would rather say, like the Jews of old did, uh, let Caesar be our king. Caesar is our king. This world system that rejects the Lord Jesus uh, is what the world would like to participate in, not the true authority of the Lord Jesus. So it's a time when the rightful king is rejected. It's a time when a rebel king is ruling. Of course, the devil himself uh, is uh, manning, uh, in some ways, the, uh, the levers of influence and power in this world that we're living in. That doesn't mean God is not in control, but it does mean God's not controlling things. So what do you mean by that, preacher? Well, in other words, he it's not his desire that this world uh, be doing what it's doing, but it doesn't surprise him. Uh, it doesn't distress him. Uh, it grieves him that mankind uh, continues to embrace sin and spurn the Savior, uh, but it doesn't disturb him in the sense that uh, of, of uh, dislodging him from his authority or from his throne. He's still in control. But he's not the one making men 
behave and live wickedly. Men are choosing to. And the devil is instigating that. The Bible calls him the God of this world. And certainly he is the one who uh, this world worships. So a rebel king is ruling, but I'd remind you that's not the end of the story. There is a uh, the rejected king. He is returning. He is coming back. The very next thing on God's prophetic calendar uh, is the rapture of the church for the king to return for his own. And then a seven-year period that the Bible calls the tribulation will ensue. And at the close of that, uh, then the Lord will appear in power and in glory. Uh, and the Bible says He'll come, that He's the King of kings and Lord of lords. That's written on His thighs, vestures dipped in blood. He's got the Word of God, a, a sharp two-edged sword to smite the enemies of God with. So there's coming a day uh, that He's going to return and be revealed to all of mankind. We've spent a few moments over the past few weeks looking at how that truth was impacting in David's day, the truth of David's exile and imminent soon return. How did that impact the people in the kingdom. Uh, we've looked at a series of six different individuals and their varying responses to it. But at the close of this story, really of the character portions of it, we are introduced to a man by the name of Barzillai the Gileadite. Now this isn't the first time that we hear his name. We learn of it back in chapter 16. But this is the first time that he is, uh, has the spotlight placed upon him. Him and David uh, have a, a, a meeting, an interaction here. And, and David desires for Barzillai to come back to Jerusalem as an honored guest. He wants to feast him. He wants to honor him. He wants to uh, lavish upon him gifts and, and, and prestige because of his willingness to assist David when David went into exile. David, when he's leaving Jerusalem, he is met by a group of men uh, led by Barzillai. And they come out with great riches and and, and uh, you know, provisions to support David during this time in the wilderness. In other words, he was there for David when it wasn't easy to be there for David. He was there for David when it was difficult uh, to be a friend to David, the rightful king. Let me say this, if our Christianity won't make us be a Christian when it's difficult to be a Christian, uh, then what is our Christianity really worth? If our Christianity only will poke its head up and say hello, uh, whenever things are agreeable and welcoming to it, we must not have much Christianity. Uh, our, our testimony, our witness, our Christianity, it's built for those moments when it's not easy to stand up and say, I'm a child of God, I'm a Christian, I'm a servant of the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, I'm His and He's mine. And Barzillai had that kind of devotion to King David. And so David desires to repay that devotion to Barzillai. Now Barzillai gives an interesting reply to it. He basically says this, I'm too old to be going back to Jerusalem. What would be the point in me going back to Jerusalem? Just let me stay here in my own city. There's no sense in you spending all this money. Uh, there's no sense in you taking all this time and all this effort. It would all be wasted upon an old man like me. Just let me stay in my city and let me die there. But I do have this request, David. I do want you to take my servant, Kim Ham, with you I want you to, in, in my stead, I want you to honor him and I want you to take care of this man. You say, preacher, that's interesting, that fascinates me, but what does it really have to do with me? When we look at the unusual behavior of Barzillai, I think we could maybe say this. He is a man that is living the way he's living because he knows he does not have much time left on this earth. He is a man that has acquainted himself with his own mortality. I think we are living in a world that is having a crisis of mortality. 
We are living in a world that somehow has never reckoned with the notion of death, the reality that one of these days, uh, there'll be no more days. One of these days, we'll die. Every one of us, we are dying. All of us are. Uh, it's a question of at what rate we are. Amen. Uh, and uh, there's certain things you do, like if you get up and make smart aleck statements about people's cornbread that can hasten that, but we are all, <laughs> I'm talking about me when I say that, amen. One of these days, I'm going to run my mouth too much about sweet cornbread and somebody's going to shoot me. That's, that's how I'm going to go. And if it happens, I want that put on my tombstone, amen. He didn't like sweet cornbread. But, uh, you know, all of us are dying. It's just a question of how fast we're dying. And somehow I think in the, in the days we're living in of, of luxury, of comfort, of modern medicine, we've lost sight of that fact. But whether we've lost sight of it or not doesn't change the fact that we are. And we ought to be living our life because of that in certain ways. Now let me uh, make a, uh, another statement about this. Let me go a step further and say, it's true that we are all physically dying at some rate. Let me say this, if you're a child of God, you have already spiritually died in the person of Christ on Calvary, and now you are living in new life thanks to His resurrection. What does that mean about our life and how we live? How does that inform the way that we live? Barzillai was a man, I would say, that was living like he was leaving. He was a man that was living his life as though he was leaving this life. And I think if we really believe that our hope is not found here, our home is not found here, we really believe if our blessed hope, the glorious appearing of the Lord Jesus Christ, could happen at any moment, I believe that's true. The Bible teaches it is true. Then that ought to change the way we live because we ought to recognize that each moment that we live could be our very last. What can we learn from this man in Scripture? Well, notice with me first off tonight his prestigious resume. In verses 31 and 32, we are given a little background information about Barzillai. And there are some characteristics, some qualities about him that I admire and that I think make for a strong spirit and a well-lived life. Notice what it says first off. The Bible says Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rogelim. We learn two things from those statements. The first thing we learn really is by the name Barzillai. Now, in our day, we're given names mostly because it either belonged to family, we heard it on something and liked it, or there was something, some other connection to it. But typically, in Bible days, people were given names because it embodied certain characteristics. And oftentimes, names would be changed, nicknames would be given because a person embraced or embodied certain ideals. Did you know that the name Barzillai means iron-hearted? You say, preacher, what does that teach me? Well, it tells me this, not just by his name, but also by the rest of his life, that Barzillai was a strong man. Now, he was not necessarily strong in terms of physical strength. He may have been, he may have not, we're not told. But we see an iron constitution of will in this man, a resolve where he's willing to stand up when it's not easy to do so, when it's not popular to do so. And let me say, in your life and mine, if we're going to have a life that's well lived, if we're going to die uh, being proud of the life that we've lived and satisfied that we've done all we've done for Christ, it's going to take some internal strength to do that. Hey, there's no peace on the deathbed for a coward. We ought to have courage and resolve in our testimony for the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't want to, listen, I don't want to get right down to it, ready to meet the Lord and embarrassed at the fact that I've told so few about Him that I've stood up for Him rarely, that I've been willing to own Him and witness of Him 
uh, only on the rarest of occasions. I want to be somebody that can say that I may have not been perfect, but at least I was ornery. Amen? I may have not always done it well, but at least I wasn't bullied. At least I was willing to take a stand when the time came to take a stand. Barzillai, he's a man uh, that is strong. We, we could say he is a strong man. Then the Bible says he came down from a place called Rogelum. Uh, now, Rogelum is an interesting uh, place. The name literally means a place of fullers. Now, a fuller was somebody that would clean or sanitize something. Sometimes a fuller would be used in the context of a silversmith, a silver fuller, or a worker of metal whose job it was to purge uh, all of the impurities out of a precious metal. But a fuller also was someone whose responsibility it was to clean clothing, to clean garments. They would scrub it white. And their job uh, was to take all of the impurities and stains out of that garment. In fact, the, the name Rogelum, uh, when it says a place of fullers, it has the idea of the trampling of cloth in washing. In other words, used to when they would wash, and even today, your washing machine does the same thing. It's got that, if it's a good one, has that agitator in it. Somebody say amen to that. I heard somebody, I heard one lady say amen before I even said anything. If it's a good one, it's got that agitator in it. What it does is it twists and it turns and it beats and it pulverizes and it knocks the dirt out of your clothes. That's what it's there for. And Barzillai, he came from a place that was identified and known with this and uh, you, you may accept this, you may not, but I'd say this, if he became strong, how did he become strong? I'd say he became strong because he came from a place of adversity in his life. Uh, we could say it this way, he was a strong man, but he was a suffering man. He was a man that knew what it was uh, to be put through the ringer, through the washroom of life. He was a man that had developed his resolve uh, because he had faced opposition. And in our life, if we want that inner strength, we're going to have to face some opposition. We're going to have to find ourselves in hostile environments. We're going to have to find ourselves in less than amenable and agreeable circumstances as far as our testimony and as far as our resolve. I don't mean being in places that compromise your testimony, but I do mean being in places that challenge you to have to stand up and have a testimony in front of a lost and dying world. He was a man that had experienced suffering. He was a man that had experienced adversity. And I would say that in our lives, none of us like adversity. I don't. Uh, I know you don't, uh, but we ought to recognize that sometimes, hey, adversity it comes from the Lord because God is strengthening us. Sometimes He lets us be sifted as wheat uh, because He knows that our faith will be made the stronger uh, through it. So He was a suffering man. But then we notice this. The Bible says in verse 31 that He went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. He was a steadfast man. He was somebody that didn't go wherever the political winds blew him. Uh, but he was a man that was marked and, and defined by his loyalty. He was a man uh, that was true to King David even when it was not easy to be so. So if we're going to have a life that is well lived, we're going to have to have some loyalty to the Lord. We're going to have to make our mind up that we're going to serve Him no matter what. Even when it's not easy. Even when it's not uh, acceptable. He was a steadfast man. And the Bible says this, Now Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old. I would say this, he was a seasoned man. He was a seasoned man. You say, what does that mean, preacher? It means old. <laughs> That's what the Bible says. The Bible says that he was a very aged man. I, I'm not saying that to offend nobody. That's what the King James Bible says. Uh, but he was a man that was marked by experience in his life. And I would say this, while it is true, there are times 
that a person due to tragedy and catastrophe in their life is called upon to die well at a young age. For the most part, this whole business of dying well, it's in the jurisdiction of the season in our society. Uh, in other words, uh, as a person enters the uh, later portions of their life, the older portions of their life, that doesn't mean they have to flag and fall and fail and falter. Uh, they can be somebody that, that charges forward into those years determining that they're going to stay true to the Lord. Uh, bodily infirmity, and, and evidently Barzillai had his share of that because he talks about it later on, did not stop him from resolving to go on and serve the Lord in whatever capacity. He was a seasoned man. The Bible says he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanaim. He was a sacrificing man. A sacrificing man. He was a man that recognized that the things that he had were best spent investing in the king. The things that he had accrued, he could not take with him. And he recognized that it would be far better for those things to be spent and expent in the work of the king. The Bible says back in chapter 16 that this group of men led by Barzillai that they brought beds and basins, earthen vessels, verse 27, and and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind and savory cornbread. No, I don't, I don't say that. For David and for the people that were with him to eat. For they said the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Sounds to me like he brought everything in the kitchen sink. Sounds to me like he brought everything he had. Could it be that he looked at it and said, I ain't going to be able to enjoy this much longer. Wouldn't it be better to just put it in the Lord's work? He was a sacrificing man. Now, God does not call any of us to impoverish ourselves. I, in fact, I would say this. The more you give to God, the more He blesses you. But I would say that in our life, part of living well and dying well is recognizing that the things, the material things of this world that we have accrued and, and oftentimes work diligently for should not be the determining factor in our life. It rather should be our service for the Lord and our love of Him. He was a sacrificing man. But the Bible says this, the end of verse 32, He was a very great man. You say, what does that mean, preacher? It means He was a successful man. He was a man that because He had honored God, God had honored Him and had blessed Him. I would say this, that just those two verses tells us this, that He lived well. He lived His life for the glory of God. He didn't have to die regretting how He had lived. He had lived well. But I would say this, there are some in life that have lived well that choose to not die well. I would say I don't just want to live well, but I want to die well as well. Knowing that I'm going to die one day, knowing that you're going to die one day, how are we going to die? Are we going to lose our nerve in those last years? Are we going to back away from our commitment and resolve to the Lord? Or are we going to make up our mind that just as we've lived well, we will die well too? What can we see in our text? Well, we see his prestigious resume. Number two, we see his polite refusal. Look at verse number 33 and look at what he received from King David. The king said unto Barzillai, come thou over with me and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. Now, this statement is pregnant with meaning. It doesn't merely mean that David says, well, you're probably hungry. Come on, we'll get us a snack back at the palace. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, come with me to Jerusalem. 
And I will lavish you with esteem and with honor. You've been good to me. You've took care of me. You've honored me. You've provided for me, Barzillai. And now's the time when I want to repay it. So I want you to come back with me to Jerusalem. We're going to have a big old feast in your honor. You'll sit at the head of the table and everyone will know of the sacrifices that you've made. In other words, we could maybe define that by saying this. He offered to bless him with all temporal blessings in earthly places. He offered to give him everything that heart could desire. And now Barzillai, he's faced with a choice. Is he going to accept this gift or is he going to reject it? Barzillai, we know what he did. He rejected it. What was that based on though? I want you to notice not only what he received, an invitation from the king, all spiritual or all uh, temporal blessings, all sorts of great food and, and prestige and honor and all these various things. But notice how Barzillai replies in verse 34. Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old. And can I discern between good and evil? Can my servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Now, if we're not careful, that'll sound a little complaintive. It would almost sound like Barzillai is saying, what's the point? Can't taste nothing good to eat. Can't hear the songs that they sing. I can't discern between good and evil, meaning I don't even know how to have a good time anymore. I'm 80 years old now. My partying days are done. What would be the business in me coming to Jerusalem after all? And yet we find when we read this that there is no cynicism. There is no bitterness in his voice. He speaks not as one that is petulant and is hurt, by his infirmity, but rather by one that is comfortable with the reality of it. We could maybe say it this way. Uh, what did he reckon? Well, he reckoned himself as good as dead. So why expend his time and energy on earthly pleasures anyway? He said, why would I spend time on things that are just passing away, that are slipping through my fingers, things that I can't even appreciate anymore because I am but a heartbeat from the grave? You say, preacher, that's pretty dismal. It's not the life I want to live. Oh, but I'd say this. There's a different perspective we can have towards this. You know, the king, he's willing to bless us with a lot of temporal things. There are some whose entire aspiration, desire, and prayer life is occupied with temporal matters. Let me go ahead and tell you, I'm not above praying for temporal things. I don't think it is it is shameful to pray for temporal needs and temporal matters. But I would say that if our perspective about our life is how can I draw from God all of the temporal things that I can? How can I squeeze from God every physical or temporal or monetary blessing that I can have? Uh, I would say this, we're not living this life very well. If that is the very epitome of our aspiration, we've missed something along the way. God will sure enough bless us with many things in our life just as David was willing to give Barzillai all of these things. But what did Barzillai want instead? Why did he respond this way? Because he said this, I'm as good as dead. Reminds me of what Paul says in Romans chapter number 6, verse 11. He says, Likewise, reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. How do we live our life well and how do we meet death well? By recognizing that The pleasures of this world and whatever blessing that they may provide are paltry things that are ever fleeting. 
Uh, they're not what satisfies and they're not what magnifies the Lord Jesus Christ. We're not here to lavish ourselves with comfort. Uh, we're here to live our lives for the glory of God. Now, God doesn't begrudge us those blessings. Many of them, He's the one that blesses us with them. But I would just say if our life is focused solely upon accruing that to ourselves and not upon living for the Lord, we've missed what the purpose of life is. It's not too much to say that Barzillai didn't learn how to live till he reckoned himself dead. And in our life, we won't really live the life that God has for us till we reckon ourselves dead indeed. I'm not talking about dead in the sense of physical death. And I'm not saying this is the domain only of those that are aged or those that are infirmed. I'm saying every born-again believer ought to recognize that when we believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, we were crucified with Christ on the cross of Calvary, that like as we were crucified with Him, we'd be raised from the dead with Him as well to live this new life that we have in Christ Jesus, being a new creature in Him. And as such, old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Your life ain't about you anymore. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. And you don't really truly begin to live until you wrap your hands around that truth. Until you recognize that this thing ain't about me. I love then with that perspective Barzillai's answer. David says, come on back, we'll have a party. Barzillai says, what good would it do anyway? I'd rather stay right here where I belong and keep living the life that God has appointed for me. I see what he received, I see what he reckoned, but I see what he reasoned. He said, wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my Lord the King. Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the King. Why should the King recompense it me with such a reward? I don't want to get into all the spiritual imagery of it, but can I remind you that Jordan in the Bible is a picture of spiritual death. And he says, I'm just going a little ways until I cross Jordan. Just a little ways. So what would be the point in going all the way to Jerusalem to have this party for me when I'm just going a little ways in the first place. Can I ask you this question? What would be the point in living our life and trying to make it as comfortable and luxurious and self-serving as possible down here? It's just a little way to Jordan. Wait, none of us got long. Wait, none of us got long. You say, preacher, I might live another 50, 60, 70 years. Praise God, I hope you do. I hope you dance at my funeral. But all of that compared to eternity is nothing. Hey, he said, well, I'm just going a little ways over Jordan. There ain't no sense, David, in making all that fuss. I'm just going a little ways over Jordan. And imagine that our lives would be so preoccupied with building the greatest possible transient tent for us to live in in this world while we've got a mansion and a home in heaven. We're just here for a little while. We forgot that we're pilgrims, man. We're strangers. We're dying men. We only have a little bit of time left. And the sooner that we recognize that we are dying men, that we ought to reckon ourselves dead indeed, that our life isn't to be lived in pursuit of our own pleasure or our own position or our own prosperity, but it's to be lived for the glory of God, then we begin to really live a life that counts and is meaningful and makes a difference in eternity. He reckoned himself dead, so he reasoned what would be the point after all, and I like what he says, and why should the king recompense at me with such a reward? He says, I'm just walking a little ways with you, David. Why would you reward me with this great, grand, glorious feast? All I'm doing is walking with you from here to there. And listen, before we get a little bit too high-minded in ourselves, 
I hope, listen, I hope you serve the Lord your whole life. I hope you serve it in faithfulness. I hope you have a testimony that other men can look at and say, now that's what a Christian ought to be. But can I say, even the best of us, all we're doing is walking a few steps with the King. Uh, the Bible talks about a servant when he does what he's asked to do. He's done no great, grand, glorious thing. He's done what a servant does. Uh, if we spend our whole life, if we, as Paul said, spend all and are spent for the Lord, all we've done is what we is called to do. Not anything else. So he says, why should I live my life in pursuit of my own pleasure? Instead, what does he ask for? Notice his pressing request. Verse 37. He says, there is something I want, David. He said, there's two things. One, let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again, that I may die in mine own city and be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. He says, don't make me go all the way to Jerusalem. Just drop dead there. Instead... Let me stay here. We could maybe say it this way. He wanted to die in his own city and at his own station. He said, let me stay where I've been planted. And let me finish my course there. Don't dislodge me from that and put me on uncertain paths, David. I'm an old man. I've stayed in that city my whole life. I've been faithful in that one place. So don't dislodge me from there and send me on uncertain paths. Let me stay where I've been planted and continue doing what I know is right. I'd say this, that if we want to die well, what is dying well? It's dying without quitting. It's dying without compromise. It's determining to stay at the station God has placed us at. Now that doesn't mean that it doesn't involve uh, bold adventures and, and steps of faith, but it does mean this, that we ought to not deviate from what God has set our task as and set our hands to do. Essentially, he says, let me stay in the place that God has planted me. He put my mother there. He put my father there. He put me there. I just want to stay where I know is right and not deviate from it. Uh, preacher, I don't know if I can die well. There's so many people that have such great testimonies for the Lord and they've done so many amazing things. And you may say, even at, at the stage I'm at in life, there's things that are no longer possible to me. Preacher, how can I make up my mind I'm going to live well and die well? And there may be young people under the sound of my voice that say, Preacher, I got a lot of years in front of me. I don't know if I can, if I can do all the things that I would like to do. Here's what you need to do. Just stay faithful to what God has called you to. Day in, day out. Stay faithful. He wanted to die in his own city, but he did want a second thing. He said, but behold, thy servant, Kimham, let him go over with my Lord, the king, and do to him what shall seem good unto thee. Two requests he has. One is to die in his own city. The second is to deliver his own servant. He says, I don't want to go, but let someone younger than me, let someone less fortunate than me, let someone with more life in front of them go ahead of me and let their life be changed by my sacrifice. It's said that we're living in days today when economically and, and health-wise that for the first time in many, many long years, the generations coming later are having a less uh, place of advantage than the generations before. And I would say that as far as believers are concerned, Christians, and this doesn't have to do with biological age or anything, but it has to do with us as believers. We ought to resolve and purpose in ourselves that we're going to leave a testimony that, may, that, that gives young people something to build on, something to move forward with. Uh, we're investing. Here's what he said. He said, I'm taking all that and I'm investing it in my servant so that there can be a future in this place. In our lives, man, we ought to be investing ourselves 
in the lives of young people, wanting to leave a testimony and a witness for them that gives them something to hang on to and something to look to and something to watch towards and something to emulate and something that they look and see. Now that is what being a Christian is. He was a man that had a forward perspective. What was the result of all this? Well, notice this and I'll be done tonight. We see in this text his prestigious resume. He's a strong, a suffering man, a steadfast, a seasoned man, a sacrificing man, a successful man. We see his polite refusal. He received this invitation from the king, but he reckoned himself as good as dead. So he said, I'm not going to waste time uh, playing to the to the uh, desires of, of, of my flesh. Instead, I'm going to uh, spend my time in the service of the Lord. He reasoned that it'd be improper. It would it would be inappropriate for him to focus upon himself instead of living for the Lord. His only request was to die in his own city and to deliver his servant. What was his public reception? All of this conversation seems to take place in private. What it looks like happens is as these two bodies of people, the servants of Barzillai and his company and the servants of David and his company, as they approach, it appears that the two men break off from the group and they go and they have a personal meeting and conversation and all of these things are discussed. And then after these things are discussed, David turns and makes a public statement. The Bible says in verse 38, the king answered, Kim Ham shall go over with me and I will do to him that which shall seem good unto thee and whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. And all the people went over Jordan and when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him and he returned unto his own place. How did the king respond to this? What was his attitude? Notice two things here and I'm done. One, we see that Barzillai's request was granted. He said, all I want is to leave something behind me for someone better. All I want is to invest in the future and to see that this servant goes on and has more opportunities than what I have had. And the king says, I'll see that it's done, Barzillai. Uh, This was a man that had his prayers answered because his prayers weren't about himself in the first place. Prayers you pray for other folks always have a better chance of getting answered. For a lot of reasons. (laughs) One, because they're more pure in their motives. Uh, They're activated in action by faith, by intercession, not by selfishness. They're not muddled and corrupted uh, by our own personal desires. Prayers you pray for other folks always seem to get answered better than prayers you pray for yourself. And by the same token, the prayers that other folks pray for you always seem to get answered better than the prayers that you pray for themselves. Here was a man that was praying for somebody else and he got his prayer answered. He was asking the king to do something on the behalf of another. And the Bible says in verse 40, the king went on to Gilgal and Kimham went on with him. Uh, Because he desired and he was investing his life in the work of the king, the king honored him and answered. You know why the king did that? Because the king knew that Barzillai's business wasn't his business, it was the king's business. So the king had a vested interest in answering the things that Barzillai desired. As we live well, you know what we can count on? That as we make our life about the work of the Lord, we'll see God answer our prayers and advance our cause. Not because it's our cause, but because it's His cause. If we'll make our cause His cause, we can be always certain we're on the right side of our cause. We see his request was granted, but then we see this, his reception was glorious. David does something interesting in verse 39. The Bible says, When the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him. This was a public endorsement. It was a public act 
of appreciation and gratitude from undoubtedly one of the greatest kings in Israel's history to this man because of what he had done. Can I say there'll come a day, uh, this life is not all there is. And there'll come a day, man, we're going to be glad that we spent this life preparing for the next life. I don't mean in terms of trying to work our way to heaven. We know we can't work our way to heaven. Uh, but I would say this, we ought to work on our way to heaven. Uh, we can't work our way there, but we ought to make sure that since we're headed there, we're working and laboring for the Lord. And we ought to determine in our hearts to not enter that place uh, bankrupt of any life that's been lived, of any testimony that's been invested. What are you spending your time and treasures on? What are you building? What are you laying up? I don't begrudge you, and I don't believe God does either. The fact that uh, we have amenities in life, and God blesses us with those things. But hey, if that's become our focus, we've missed it. We've went from living to dying. Because the things we're pouring our life into are temporal, dying, passing things. We've taken the new life that we've been given in Christ Jesus and instead of spending it in eternal things, immutable things, invincible things, things that will last beyond when the foundations of this world are shaken, we've taken all that and poured it into things that are just going to pass away anyway. Barzilli, I would look at us and say, don't you know you're a dying man? Why are you going to go and spend all your time and energy on these things that you can't even really enjoy the way that they're meant to be enjoyed? You know, when you got born again, those old things are passed away. You can't even enjoy them like you used to before you got born again. So why would you waste your time on those things? Instead, you ought to be investing in eternal matters. Here's the simple truth of it. He was a man that died well because he had lived well. But he was also a man that because he had lived well, he purposed that he was going to continue and finish in his testimony for the Lord. And he was going to die well too. You say, preacher, one of these days when I'm old like Barzilli, I hope to die well. Well, you're not going to die well then unless you die well now. Spiritually speaking. Spiritually speaking. Being ready on that day is predicated on today. As Paul said, I die daily, dying daily to self. So the simple question is, what are you living your life for? Are you living well? Are you dying well? Let's bow together tonight as a musician comes to play. The altar is open. And I don't know what God may have spoke to your heart about, but I know whatever it is, it must be important. For surely, for the God of glory to speak to your heart, it would be something important. So if He's dealt with you about something, don't ignore Him. Uh, don't argue with Him. Instead, yield to Him. Meet Him at this altar and let that matter get settled in your heart as you seek His will. Father, bless this invitation. May it magnify the Lord Jesus. We ask it in His name.